On this episode of the State of the Bulldogs with Sam, Mike, Jeb, and Grant, we recap the Furman and uh, you know tough Furman loss, the nice ETSU win. Look forward to the Wofford and UTC games this week, and catch everyone up about the uh, women's basketball season. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate us five stars, and leave a good review. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at State of the Dogs, and be sure to check out our website, stateofthebulldogs.com. With that, let's kick this thing off. I would imagine yeah. that there's nothing wrong yeah. in a Saturday yeah. on a Saturday night. Yeah. After a big win. Yeah. Eight against a four and five team from the FCS. And here goes Montreal Washington. He's skipped through the defenders and he's taking it all the way. On the run, he's got room. Inside the five, Christensen wins it. All right, boys. So back to our normal segments. We got Grant and Mike. Guys, how you doing? Sam, the Chiefs are still are still the Chiefs, so we're doing pretty well. Boo, Mike. Yeah, one more week of Taylor Swift. Two more weeks of Taylor Swift. Travis Kelsey. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Yeah. It is unfortunate. Uh, I don't think anyone signed up for the Chiefs dynasty. So, but I don't Grant. think anyone really wants to see the 49ers. Grant signed up for it. I know he did. Oh, my goodness. No, no. So let's just bury our heads in the sand. Let's talk about SoCon basketball. Guys, around the horn, 30 seconds. Grant, you're up first. What is the toughest road environment, in your opinion, in the conference? I still, I was. Tough reading this earlier. I couldn't really decide, which is kind of before I keep going on tangent. Probably go Furman just because they've been the they've been the team to beat the last few years. Western their atmosphere was awesome, but it's still just a one time thing with this team. So I think over the years it's been Furman and but also ETSU. They draw a pretty good crowd most of the time too, and they were rolling with Steve Forbes. That's also another dark horse for that. Mike, yeah, I gotta echo everything that Grant just said. I think. UTSU definitely has uh, the upside, the potential to be the best environment this year. I think Western, our game against them, was the best environment we've seen. I mean, honestly, all year outside of Purdue, and Purdue's like a top five state, top five arena in the country. Uh, Sanford has had some really good environments in the last couple of years. I think it depends on the game and, you know, the time of day. But when we do those red outs and we've got big home games like Furman last couple of years, I mean, some of those environments have been insane. Uh, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go Western. That's fair. The, uh, even, you know, not to dog on Sanford, but even when we have those full arenas like the Furman game last year, there is still a portion of the crowd that isn't exactly, uh, you know, basketball ready. Maybe more, maybe like the Western fans all are. Um, second question guys, do, does the basketball team, do we have a defense problem? Mike. Hmm. You don't have a defense problem until your offense starts perform stops performing, and our offense has stopped performing the last couple games, probably the last three, four, five games. Uh, so, I think the way that our system is built, it allows teams to score more because we're playing so fast and scoring so much. So when the shots don't fall like they haven't been uh, the last three games, it's going to make the defense look worse. Grant, yeah, I agree with that for sure. Just going. By the numbers, I didn't even notice this until we started by looking. Uh, through conference play, Sanford is last in the country 
sorry, last in the conference at defending the three. Teams are shooting at a 40% clip from three. So I think we talked about that before the season, whether that was going to be an issue, especially in this conference. And they still sit in the middle of the pack when it comes to defensive efficiency overall. So I wouldn't say it's a problem, but I would say it's definitely something to worry about going down the stretch. Certainly. We've allowed over 70 points out of the last six of seven conference games. Last question. What is y'all's favorite new guy? You know, slew of options here. I think I might know where one of y'all is going to land, but Grant, you go first, man. Uh, I was going to go with Ryland Jones, point guard, having a guy who's played a lot of basketball, Mike Chicken has said, because I knew that's where he was going. But just a guy who's <laughs> played a lot of basketball. We talked about last episode, we, having a senior leader like that on the road and in those tough atmospheres, he stepped up big time against ETSU. So it's just been fun having a point guard like that who can share the ball, especially with this system compared to what we saw last year with our last point guard last year. Mike? Yeah, definitely stole the obvious answer there, Grant. Good for you. Uh, I think you can go down the list, though, and probably say every single newcomer on the team, uh, maybe except one. But uh, I think the freshman, just knowing the freshman, like knowing the upside, it's fun to watch guys like Holloway because you know kind of what the future looks like, but also – Graziani. I mean, he gets the most minutes other than Jones. Uh, he's a starter, and I just love his tenacity on defense. Oh, they're both fun to watch. After that ETSU game, though, I think Allenspock might be finding him finding a place up at the top of that list. I mean, coming in with some clutch baskets. I know they only had eight, eight points. We're not even talking about the game yet. But uh, very critical moments where he kept us in the game when ETSU was looking to, uh, to strike. But before we get before we get to Furman, unfortunately, Furman, uh, and the ETSU game, Mike, run, run us through what's been going on in the SOCON. Man, it was a fun weekend in the SOCON. Uh, we had big-time uh, big time upsets, Wofford over Furman and Mercer over Shocking. What, UNCG. Yeah, um, at, at UNCG, too, yeah. At UNCG, so... I mean, to be honest, I didn't even know that Furman lost until today. I just like wasn't keeping up with with that game. Um, but it sounds like they just kind of had it, kind of got whooped. Did y'all watch that game, Furman Wofford? No, but when I saw the box score, we talked about this before the show. But forty six points in the paint for Wofford and only fourteen for Furman. Furman shot fine from the three. Wofford shot worse. Turnovers were about even. But when you just get dominated on the glass and in the paint like that, not a good recipe when you're only shooting 31% from three. Yeah, Yeah. I did watch the end of UNCG Mercer. There was a fight that almost broke out on the handshake line and like the teams were getting into it and like someone was running into the tunnel and other guys chased after him and then the broadcast cut away and ended real quick. Yeah, like there's something something happened where the broadcast was like, uh, tempers are flaring. We don't know what to say here, but one of yeah. the Langley twins ran into the Mercer locker room, tried to run into the Mercer locker yeah. room. No way. What? Yeah. Like, and the camera cut to that real quick, and then, like, okay, well, someone into the production truck. So, okay, what's well, in the broadcast? End it now. We don't want to broadcast no, something going on. No, that's when you start yeah. the broadcast. That's when you that's start when you... the broadcast. Yeah. What are we talking Still. about here? We're trying to, what? Yeah, so you get on fought... ESPN. Yeah, the Spartans fought. Fought more outside of the game rather than in the game, so they still lost losing to Mercer at home. So shots fired. Yeah. 
That's Grant, we good. haven't played them twice yet. Chill. I know. Chill. I know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to like. Sh- yeah. Oh, go ahead. Hopefully, McKeel Brown Jones doesn't know who I am or listens to this because he's, <laughs> he's a very scary individual. Yeah, especially with you sitting courtside. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm gonna sit up high, yeah. Mercer, so you're okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely not going to Greensboro for that one. I don't want to see it. that guy's scary. Yeah. <laughs> we got to talk about like the last two the last two days of games. So Wednesday, January 24th, and then this past Saturday, the 27th, is just like the most accurate depiction of what SoCon basketball is this year. Mm-hmm. So Wednesday, Sanford loses by 10 to Furman. ETSU only beats VMI by one. Wofford loses big time to Chat by 14. Citadel beats Mercer by two. And then UNCG beats Western in overtime. So just think about how close all those games are, except for really Chat and Wofford. Right. Fast forward to Saturday. ETSU, who barely beats VMI, takes Sanford down to the ropes. Chattanooga whoops Citadel. VMI gets whooped by Western, expected. But then Wofford beats Furman, and Mercer beats UNCG. I mean, it's, it's all insane. over the place. It's insane. Yeah, that's that's how the SoCon circle of suck completes when teams <laughs> win one game and lose another with everyone losing to at least another team. That's so it happens. Also, like wow. this week, every game on Wednesday in the midweek, all teams playing on that day, it just makes for more excitement having them on one day. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it when the season finally shakes out to Wednesday, Saturday. Yeah. Um, there are probably exceptions going on. I mean, there's probably a few Thursday games still left, but those are always the best. Um, Mike, what else you got? That's pretty much it. Um, a lot of movement, though, in terms of standing. So we are one game away from being halfway through the, the conference slate, which is wild. Feels like we just started. It's kind of uh, sad. But, you know, talking about how close the league is, that just kind of makes what Sanford's done all the more impressive. One loss to Furman at Furman. So we're sitting in first place at 7-1. and one. one game ahead of UNCG and Chat, who are both 6-2. and two. Uh, and then after that, we got Western, Wofford, and Furman all at five and three, ETSU at two and six, Mercer at two and six, and then Citadel and VMI at one and seven. So uh, nice to have that one game lead right now heading into the Wofford game, but this league's still wide open. Yeah, pretty much on paper, there are about six teams that can beat each other at any given time, maybe seven if you catch uh, ETSU on the right night. But Guys, let's talk about Furman. So a lot of hype going into the game, 17-game win streak, going on the road. Bucky's record versus um, – what's his Bob name? Bob Ritchie. Bob Ritchie ain't good. It ain't good. I think we're, what, one in six, something like that? Yeah, after last week, um, yeah. So a lot of, uh, you know, things on both – yeah, a lot of hype on one side, and then on the other side you got kind of the bad history and – well, what happens in, in uh, Traveler's Rest happens in Traveler's Rest. We could not shoot the three. They could shoot the three. Uh, their defense seemed to be impenetrable at times. Guys, talk to us. What happened? Yeah, I think you touched on it, that outside shooting. of Furman started off hot. I'm pretty sure that Alex Williams, yeah, he went four for six from three. He made his first like two or three to kind of keep the – get the crowd going at Sanford couldn't respond like they could at Western saying that, that right 
I think that was big for the psyche of this team getting down. I think they're down like nine or 11 when they called a timeout halfway through the first half. So a complete opposite of what we saw at Western and not being able to match their scores like they did up in Colby. Yeah, we got down by 16 at one point. That was the largest lead Furman had. And we hadn't we hadn't been down that big in a game other than Purdue this year. So it's the one way that we haven't won a game is coming de- coming back from down big. It's something I talked about last week that on the podcast that yes, uh, I was afraid might happen. Unfortunately, it did. I thought, unfortunately, Bob Ritchie really coached up a great scheme. I mean, they knew exactly how to bake, break our press. They knew yes. exactly where to pass the ball uh, to break that press and just rip it from three every time. And that was, uh, other than the missed free throws at the end of the game for us, that was like really what Furman did so well to to secure the win, which is excellent passing to break the press. It was almost one of those games where you're sitting there and it's, you think if you play this game five more times, Furman does not execute on this level. And it wasn't like they completely dominated in the sense that um, they were blocking our shots or making us turn it over more than they were. It was just execution. You know, I mean, the, the free throw disparity was was what really stuck out to me. We were three from 10 from the line. Unacceptable. Three for 10. They were 10 for 13, right? Like that's a seven point swing. You know, we only lost, we lost by 10. So free throws mattered. Every other stat was fairly even. Um, so timing was everything. The, the fact that they only made three more threes puts a, a kind of an exclamation on that point. It's like, when did they make those threes? You know, how momentum really mattered in this game. And it sucks, right? Like this is the kind of crap that happens when a good Sanford team travels to Furman. Yeah, like Mike, like Mike said, we kind of knew, or we didn't want it to, but we kind of knew this was coming. Just kind of a letdown, the kind of a game not being able to, match in a big time environment we knew it was going to be a tough game obviously like we mentioned bucky's record against rishi with the Furman, the Furman thing on your back that you can't get off you can't shake him but still it's just another just another way that sanford like found a way to lose was the right way but they weren't able to keep that same energy and pace like Furman did especially early in the first half for how little Furman tends to play up to wofford they sure do like to get up for our game um, exactly. Why can't can like can we trade that for one year, please? Like, how about y'all be, you know, the ankle biters, and don't get so hyped up for our game. And you knew with the win streak coming in that that just added even more, even more to the game. Yeah, like you said last so, week, yeah. yeah. Furman was ex- like so hyped up during the game. After the game, Richie was extremely hyped up in the locker room. You saw like on social media. But you could tell how much this game meant to them. They're very hyped up uh, on social media. Yeah. They're very hyped up. Like I'm sure breaking the streak. Also, just the fact that we tied last year for the regular season championship game. Uh, it seemed to mean a lot. The student section was packed. Very high oh. intensity. I hate it. I hate that. I hate that. Mm. And the other thing is no one, you know, a chore, chore. And then AJ had nice games. That was it, right? Like in big time games like that, and maybe it's a learning lesson. Maybe it's like, hey, you know, we really have to focus 
And when the other team's punching that much harder, we have to come back even harder, right? Because come the SoCon tournament, I mean, there's going to be a – if we can make it to the championship, it'll be two or three straight games of a team just gunning for us. And if we can't answer, the streak, the, the infamous streak, uh, will continue. Yeah, you knew things were a little off when uh, Rylan – or he had two turnovers. He had three games before that with zero turnovers. So you knew if he was turning the ball over in that environment, you knew that it, was, it just wasn't a good reps a good recipe for them to come back in the game and potentially win it. Yeah. And sometimes that's sports, right? You know, you roll the ball out there and you immediately know it's just not your night. And that happens. But once again, I hate that it happened against Furman again. Should have gotten them last year. Okay. Anything else? Let's go to let's otherwise let's go to ETSU. Anything else guys? No, I think I think we covered it. It was just a, it came in and early, you knew early in the second half. Okay, this isn't our night. Let's just let's just move on to the next one. Get the streak over with and move on. So which we kind of which we touched on already. And uh, just the obvious, it's basketball, and you're going to lose games in conference play, like we just talked about. Like upsets happen all the time. It's not football. It's not like a one loss league. So it just sucks that had to happen to Furman. It does. So back to back road games. Travel to Furman. Traveling to ETSU. You know, you lose the front end. Risky, it's, there's a risk that you lose the second one in, in an environment like that. ETSU is not an easy place to play. They're kind of a pesky team. They know how to win tight, even if it's really just against the lower half, bottom half, the half of the conference. Um, you know, just being composed in tight games like that uh, can give yourself a chance. And that's what they tried to do. They just tried to stay in it the entire time and give themselves a chance late, which is what happened. So you can look at it from the perspective of we should have blown them out, relatively speaking, you know, 10, 10, 12, 14 points. Um, Or we, you know, we let, we let the team hang in there and then we found a way to win. And that's probably the way we should take this considering not only the officiating, but also, I don't know if y'all got kind of got this feeling, but it didn't seem seemed like the Furman game kind of took a lot of wind out of our sails. And we were just trying to find ourselves again, um, unfortunately, just on the on the road, which is can look ugly at times. Yeah, we were definitely in like a survive and advance mode. Let's just find a way to get a win and get out of here because we can't let the we couldn't let the snowball. And they found a way with Nathan Johnson with 18 points. And then Ryland had a couple of big threes when Sanford had that, I think, 9-0 run when it was tied with four minutes left to go in the game. Nathan freaking Johnson, dude. Had himself a day, put the team on his back when we needed it. Yeah, they just kind of seemed flat. Uh, yes, just kind of lackadaisical. It's it's a weird kind of. It's an afternoon game, right? Yep. 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 Um, Try to get that intensity game mixed up, but I think it was an afternoon game. Like you probably been on the road all week. I imagine. No, actually, they flew because they took that. Sick took that jet. jet. Took Where that jet, baby. From? There's a donor out there just. Hey, hey guys, not not using that, that wasn't like go. a Rolls Royce motor, was it? Well, Rolls Royce makes airplane engines. That's not that. Oh yeah, engine. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's I pretty standard. That. Still, is pretty sweet. Yeah. Right, well, yeah, pretty sweet. I don't know anything about planes. That was sick. They should have been hyped up just to arrive in Johnson City on that thing. I think everybody that follow on the Instagram, oh, 
pretty much every player posted on their story said, "Look at this, look at this plane we're on." Like, I'm pretty sure all of them were like, "Oh yeah, this is pretty sick." Yeah, yeah maybe that's what it is. They were too distracted. They got to get back on the bus and just hey, go get on the school. bus like a normal team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they just seemed like super kind of lackadaisical. Just I don't know, like heavy legs. Uh, the shots weren't falling. Even the easy shots weren't falling. Like a chore, chore had to work for everything. Ended up with three points. Right. Uh, I'm sure they were just emotionally exhausted from that Furman game. Yeah, and a chore had two fouls in four minutes too. So he didn't play the whole second half. He didn't play the whole first half, yeah. which is when Allen Spot came and had eight points. But yeah, you add that to plus go on the road. Especially it could have snowballed too, because okay, we really need this win, and then our best player gets. Oh gosh, he's got two points, and we're in, earning the first media timeout. Oh no, how how is this going to turn out? Which definitely. It definitely could have turned sour, and they still found a way, like we said, to pull it out in the end. And this is probably, now that we're in the thick of it, I can say this with more confidence, but this is probably the toughest stretch of the season in terms of our conference slate, having to go to Furman, to ETSU. Then we get a hot Wofford team at home just to go back on the road against an even hotter UTC team. So we had to get this win. Um, every win... You, at this point, we have to win every single game that we're supposed to and hope to split the ones we might not be favored in in order to have a shot at the one seed because we still have plenty of season left to be stuck at that three or four spot. Um, if we just, I mean, the, the margin for error is zero, basically. So big-time win just to, just to get out of there alive. And uh, Grant, that's it. You're right on with the choice. Like the fact that your number one score doesn't get it going early, that puts you off kilter from the get. But to your point earlier, Mike, about how Ryland was off in the Fermi game, Ryland had a classic Ryland Jones game where five five assists, ten points. That's kind of like what we need from him weekend or game in game out in order to be successful. Because um, it. It tends to be where he hits five or more assists. The offense seems to be rolling pretty well. Allen Spock, with those clutch eight points I mentioned earlier, played really admirably because, one, he couldn't get in foul trouble. If he got in foul trouble, Loveday would have seen the court more. I thought Loveday played okay. Um, I was impressed with some of his rebounding. Yeah, played eight minutes. Yeah, Yeah, even scored. So uh, the two of those guys really stepped up when, when we needed it. And then Jaden Campbell, once again, you know, a guy that when we really need points from somebody, he stepped up. So that that was awesome. It was a good overall team effort when your stars are quote unquote kind of down. Yeah, stars are down. You only make eight threes at the as a team. You have one player, Nathan, making half of those. So we still find a way to win on the road. It's something you you definitely and don't take for ETSU, granted. ETSU, ETSU was playing like very spirited basketball. Let me yeah. put it that way. Uh, they were really vibing with the energy of the crowd, really feeding off of it. Refs kept him in, kept him in the game tight. I mean, that foul on was it on Jaden in the corner when they were inbounding and he contested yeah. the inbound and they. I was like, what? It's a jump ball if it's anything. It's not a foul. Yeah, the last twenty they seconds of the game pretty hectic. They got the advantage on the on the whistle, maybe not from like a total fouls perspective, but they they were all shooting fouls. And I think in the second half we got into the bonus with like five minutes left, so that gave them a, a you know a lot of time to get you know one and one. But uh, I think we fouled them twice on threes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean anytime they went down low, it seemed like not even on the initial shot, but they got an offensive rebound because they crushed the boards on 
offensively. Who was that one player that was so good offensively at rebounding for them? I don't remember his name. Uh, here, I can pull it up. But uh, while the, yeah, Jaden Parker had six re, six offensive boards. Jaden Seymour had five. So two guys with 11 offensive boards. I think it was Parker because they had 16 offensive rebounds start five. So yeah. some it, of it them seemed were like it was over the back. Let's be real. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like it's, but it seemed like the fouls were coming on their second chance you know, mm, shots. Yeah. Uh, but really, like we kind of got lucky with when our shots were falling because Nathan Johnson got hot yes. kind of midway through the second half. Uh, ETSU got it to a tie game, and Rylan Jones hit two threes, one of which had no business going in. I mean, yeah, that was awesome. Bounced. The one that clanked five on the feet, back. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. That was five feet above in. the rim and then dropped yeah. in. And then we had that Incredible steal. Though. Yeah. Uh, so, like, the fact that they had tied the game with, like, two, three minutes left, and then we just hit those two threes, got lucky. Yeah, Mike, it was, it was 62-62 with a 408. ETSU called a timeout. Then out of the timeout, Ryland hits the first three, hits the second three we talked about that went up in the air and came back down. We got fouled. Jaden made two free throws. ETSU made a layup, and then Nathan banked in that three from the wing, and you're up nine after you. Right. And you're up, up nine with 137 left and still – had to fight and claw your way to win because you missed free throws late and ETSU still had a chance to tie it and go into overtime. Yeah. So did y'all have a special again. did y'all have a special broadcast? I I couldn't see the basket uh in the second half. Could could y'all could y'all see Sanford's score? I could see the basket, but I couldn't see what the actual score was. I had the ESPN app on my laptop so I can follow the game and watch the sc- watch my own scoreboard. <laughs> that's up. I had to look up to the scoreboard that was on the arena. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Because it, it, it was yeah. conveniently placed in the corner of the screen. That was the worst broadcast I think I've ever seen, ever seen. And I have watched a lot of sports in my lifetime. A lot. It's almost like that they, was the worst. And the color yeah. commentator yeah, he was, tough. was a huge homer. I'm like, buddy, you work yeah. for ESPN in this scenario. You don't work for ETSU. Take your pirate hat off. Put on your media hat. Like, come on. Yeah, with that scoreboard in the corner, it was funny. Like, the scorebook. Okay, screw it. Scorebug's not working, but thank God we got the score scoreboard in the arena over there so they can watch that because they, like, gave up. Scoreboard, first four minutes, they didn't have any audio, so, was, so they just had the crowd audio, which was kind of nice. kind of wish they had just stuck with that yeah, throughout the game. you kind of feel like you're at the game. Yeah, it kind of felt like... Yeah, you're just like, oh, I'm at the game. Like, only, like, MLB.TV is, like, the only thing where you can, like, cut off the announcers and just listen to, like, the stadium, like, inside the broadcast. It's like... Maybe we can have more of that, but yeah, just overall, it wasn't wasn't good at all. Y'all, uh, what did y'all think about Brooke Savage going off on the rest that timeout call? With, like, oh my goodness! Left. Give me a break. I mean, the he, fans he even were going nuts. He was going post-game. nuts. Yeah, we never actually yeah. saw it's it because like, the camera wasn't it didn't pan over in time. Yeah, so we didn't but actually you've see the ball. Believe, is. If Bucky's that animated, if Bucky was that animated of getting the timeout. You know he was calling for one as soon as the ball went through the hoop. Had to have been. Yeah. Uh, he was jumping and the refs up and gave down. It to him. Like, you think the, the refs, refs in Johnson City are going to give that to Bucky as a favor? No. No. Well, I do think the way that Savage talked about it, he wasn't – like he, he he was saying the, the timeout should be granted, but it should have happened way sooner. But also, like the pace at which ETSU was moving, they got the ball up to half like a, court, like a like, second, maybe like half yeah, a second. Yeah. yeah, so like, rest don't have that much. But it, like, it didn't affect the game at all. But he was whining and 
complaining about it in the postgame presser. There's a lot of pressure on him. I think he might have teased the fan base into thinking they would succeed uh, in his yeah. first year. And obviously that has not been the case uh-huh. on a consistent – like they've shown flashes, but for the most part the season's fallen flat. And he's trying to get buy-in. It's a very fickle fan base. They are passionate. Um, and he's feeling it. You know, this game, this would have been a, st- a, a program statement victory. Uh, first year yeah. beating the number one team in the conference. Um, and it was right there. So you feel yeah. for him a little bit, but. Yeah, the last 10 seconds were super it. hectic because he had that timeout. And then going down when Ryland missed the free throw, it did not cut the lead to. Or to not push the lead to four. They're going down. Bucky's over there screaming, telling them what defense to get in. And then he looks at the clock. He's like, oh, no, we need to foul because we're up three. And he's over there screaming, telling them to foul. And then ATSU still got two shots off. And thankfully, both of them missed. Had two really good looks did, to tie yeah. the game. Did, yeah. We were lucky to get out of that game alive. Yep. I mean, my goodness. Yeah. Also, I was shocked, guys. I looked up after the game, after the stats had been finalized. We are not last in free throw percentage in the conference, though it may feel like it. We are either at the top or near it. So I was shocked at that. There are some bad, bad free throw shooting teams so far in the SOCON. Um, but that feels like a point of weakness for us. I don't wow. like Right? Yeah. It's shocking. It's We're shocking. We're sitting at third. Yeah. There, how many teams, Michael, shoot below 70%? Uh, four, Three. but VMI and Western are sitting right at six sixty nine point. That is terrible. That's terrible. This is Wofford's a free throw. Fifty eight. That's pretty bad. You are you are standing still. You are stationary. It is a fixed distance to the rim. Anyone and their mother can go out and shoot a thousand free throws and shoot better than sixty. You can shoot granny style better than sixty nine percent. Sam, that's exactly something my dad would say when we wouldn't make free throws. It's, you're right there. It's a free. It's a free shot. They're giving it to you. Yes, you are right there. If we want to win the SoCon tournament, we need to be pushing the 80s. In the high 70s is fine, but we need to be pushing 80. This whole conference doesn't really shoot it that well, honestly. At the free throw line. No, I was going to say. I feel like 75 is probably like a respectable number, and nobody's at that number right yeah, now. 75 is fine. Yeah, chat 73rd, Sanford's. 73% Sanford 72%. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. No. That like those are easy points. That's what's wild. You know, if we if we shoot if we get half the free throws we miss back against Furman, it's a different ball game. Yeah, Walford 62%. Good lord. That's Yeah, I didn't expect to see that at all. That's shocking. Anyway. Hey, at least we get the line the most of any other team. Doesn't matter if you don't make them. Uh all right. So, before we get to uh UTC and Walford, got to talk about Whammy. If you're a listener of the pod, you know Sanford Sports gets us excited. But before we start our game day, we love brewing up a pot of whammy coffee. It is roasted locally in Birmingham, and they always have an incredible assortment of beans from around the world. I also love that they throw in a little mystery toy in every bag. For the perfect start to your morning, you can pair our podcast with a cup of whammy. Just head to whammycoffee.com and order today. W-H-A-M-M-Y coffee.com. All right, boys, so I... I put the trivia around UTC. No offense uh, to Wofford, except all offense to Wofford. Not that we're taking that game for granted. Um, Sam, your brother's going to be really very upset. Focused. Your brother's going to be very upset yeah. that we're not touching on Wofford right now. 
oh my gosh, my brother thinks that they're literally one player away, Sam Godwin from Oklahoma. They're one like if they had hit him back, they would be number one in the conference right now. To say that he um, has no idea about any other team is an understatement if he's thinking like that. So yeah, Wofford, we will discuss Wofford, but our focuses are on UTC. And you know, we might lose to Wofford. That's not what we're saying here. What we're saying is that UTC just on paper is a more of a nightmare, so to speak. So trivia. UTC, this is kind of a fun one. I didn't I didn't realize this. And before and after I ask it, I'll, I'll read out the conference members if that might give you a hint. But I already know you, the answer, Sam. Oh wow. Maybe not. We'll see. <laughs> Uh, look, you might, man. For the record, Grant uh, has not home. said a single word. Okay, go ahead. UTC is home <laughs> to the only Division One program in the state of Tennessee in what sport? So UTC is the only D1 program of this sport in the entire state of Tennessee. Now, the SOCON members of this sport, okay, Bellarmine, UTC, Campbell, Appalachian State, Citadel, VMI, Gardner-Webb, Presbyterian, and Davidson. My blue, Very interesting combo of teams right now. My blue hose, a Presbyterian. Let's go. Wouldn't be a <laughs> terrible football conference, uh, especially with App State, obviously. But, you know, Gardner-Webb's not bad. And Davidson's on the rise. You know, probably worse than, than the SoCon if you took App State out. But what sport – we'll let Grant go first since, Michael, you seem so confident. Grant, what, do, what are we thinking? Hmm. I was leaning towards wrestling. What's going to be my answer? Okay. Is that your final answer? That's my final answer, wrestling. Mike? I'm like 99% sure it's wrestling. Ding, 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 ding. It is wrestling. We got one right. We're back. Uh, Very impressed, guys. Congratulations. Probably the first time we've both gotten the question right. Uh, You've had it before. I can't remember what it was, but it is rare. It was an easy. uh, It was an easier question, obviously, but it was kind of a gimme. This one was not. Uh, it was I like wouldn't the say this one was easy. question. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Or Jimbo, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so wrestling, I, it would be. I love wrestling. I think it is a fantastic sport to watch in person. Um, <laughs> television, not Said so nobody much. ever. <laughs> it is. It is. What's so intense about it's it? It's not Michael, WWE. This is like. Yeah, it's real competition. So you're just like for, hugging each other on about, that. Okay, think about why people like tennis. <laughs> it's a one-on-one duel, right? Well, now imagine if it's a physical battle between two people. It's a pretty awesome sport, and it's more um, more civilized than boxing. Boxing to me can still be a little brutal. Uh, wrestling is much more just pound for pound. Uh, Melee, like not melee, but like controlled chaos. The conferences and wrestling, conferences and wrestling are kind of weird. If you go through all the conferences, okay, it's like this team should be here. Like Oklahoma, they're going to yeah. the SEC, but SEC doesn't have wrestling, so they're staying in the Big Twelve. And the Big Twelve has like North Dakota State and teams like that. So it is fun just to go and look at those conferences for sure. I think the Big Ten is probably the the most normal conference from that. I feel I, I want to say almost every Big Ten team has a wrestling. Program. Is Iowa the one that's like so such a prominent wrestling program? Iowa's very good. Penn State. Yeah. Um, I mean, Oklahoma State has like 20 some odd national championships. Yeah, that's their claim to fame. Uh, ACC has some good programs. North Carolina is not terrible. Uh, UTC has a pretty respectable program. Uh, Boise State 
I think disbanded their program, but before they disbanded it, it was uh, had a pretty good reputation. It's a good college sport. That's the sport that I would put last on my list of sports I want to play ever. Like, do you remember yeah, in high school, like see, like seeing the wrestlers walk into class and it looks like they lost twenty pounds overnight? Yeah, and, like and their ears are all jacked old, up. Yeah, like cauliflower ear. Yeah, it's weird. Drinking gallons of water every day. No, I agree, Michael. I I did I did like the we had like a trial period in high school where you could try a sport for two weeks and see if you liked it. Did that for wrestling. It was so there were moments that were fun, but for the most part, it was terrible. Yeah, I'm good. But it's still fun to watch. It's still fun to watch. All right, so let's talk about Wofford real quick. Got Wofford rolling in. Uh, we joked about the Furman box score, but holy moly, guys, if Wofford plays like that against us, we're toast. <laughs> if they get a chore in foul trouble, their Canadian big man, uh, what, what what was his name? Uh, Kyler Filewich, Filowich, not entirely sure. Looks like he's from Russia. Don't let him fool you. He's 100% Canadian. Uh, and also, don't let how he looks fool you. The dude can ball, even though it might be painful to watch. He somehow gets the board, somehow puts the ball in the hoop. And there's a part of me that thinks that if a chore gets in foul trouble, the pressure's put on Allenspock, that he might just feast. Now, Allenspock and a chore, much more athletic than this joker. But he seems like a – he seems, guys, like one of those players that no matter how unathletic he may actually be, he kind of transcends that and dominates no matter the situation. We'll see. Yeah, I wonder how many fouls he draws a game. Big body like that. Probably a lot if the yeah. refs are willing to give it to him. Per 40 minutes per can palm, he f- it's, draws 4.1 fouls per 40 minutes before a game. Hmm. That's a lot. I say that. Is that a lot? In the conference, yeah. feels like a lot. In the conference, he averages three point nine per forty minutes, and that's sixteenth in the in the conference. So, pretty solid. That's not bad for a guy that's not driving it. I mean, because think about it, how much it's. For the most part, the SoCon is hack a shack. If it's big man on big man, um, it's the Woolbrights of the world who get the Holloways who get the fouls called for them. Yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah, that's what's crazy, guys. Wofford doesn't scare you from a scoring perspective. They don't shoot the ball in, uh, you know, that well. They don't have playmakers per se, but as a unit, they seem to to play kind of similar to ETSU. They play well enough to give to sometimes give themselves a chance, but they can also get blown out. Yeah, you never know what team's going to show up. It's kind of similar to last year, except at Just, least last yeah. year they had BJ Mack. Who was? He's good been no awesome. Yeah, he's been awesome at South Carolina he's been too. Awesome at South yeah, he's Carolina. been great. Yeah, he's yeah. just an objectively good basketball player. So that's kind of the one difference here is they don't have a guy like that. So it's if they hadn't beaten Furman, guys, we wouldn't be as worried. But they just beat Furman by ten. They also beat us last year, and another reason that we didn't win the SoCon outright. Just yeah, they did. Year. They did. But they were shooting lights out from three. That that was the game at Wofford, right? And it, yeah, yeah, I think it was at Wofford, and it was like. Maybe right after we played Furman. Yeah. yeah. And they had that that stud freshman remember. who I – he yeah, went somewhere. He went to like Minnesota. Oh, yeah, it was or, uh, Pavletsky. Yeah, he's at Iowa State right yeah, now. Jackson Pavletsky. Yeah, he's at Iowa yeah. State right now. Interesting. Yeah, they, that was – they shot the ball really well last – well, against us at least.
so yeah, we wouldn't be worried about Wofford had they not just beat Furman. I mean, guys, the UNCG game, loss, 82-59. Chattanooga, loss, 79-65, right? Western Carolina, loss, no, 70-66, to not terrible, not terrible. Um, but pretty much against every good team in the SoCon so far, knock on wood, they've lost. So that's... It's going to continue, right? Right, Grant? <laughs> you would think. There are a couple, from from their end, some discouraging stats going on the road. Like in a conference play, defici- defense, that's tough for me to say tonight. Defensive efficiency, they're eighth in the conference right now. And like, as we mentioned, they can't make free throws and they have trouble shooting the three. Two things that don't translate well on the road. And they don't t- force many turnovers as well. So that are three things that aren't, aren't in their favor there in Sanford's favor that could play a role. So it's just a matter of, like you said, they've lost those close games to good teams, whether that translate to the road or not. Look, this game, if we want to win, we need to come out, not even hot. We just need to come out playing well. We come out playing well. We control the game from the tip. We don't make them believe they can, they can win. Um, Then it should be okay. If we come out cold, if a chore gets in early foul trouble, if their big man, uh, you know, starts maybe maybe makes a couple big dunks or something. I don't know if the guy can dunk. He doesn't look like he can dunk, but makes a couple big dunks, gets the mojo going, quiets the crowd. Like <laughs> right? Yep. You gotta watch this guy play. Look, fellow fellow man with a nickname Gravity knows one when he sees one. He might he might have that same nickname. All right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we're definitely all three Josh Holloway's with our 40 inch vert we got going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the crowd's going to be electric. It's the first game since Stepsing, yeah. RIP Sigma Chi. Um, it should be everything is trending in our favor, but leave it to freaking Wofford to upset that. It's always a matter of what team shows up, but I think. If if Sanford shows up and plays the way that they played before, like like since the Western game, really the last three games, even if Wofford shows up and plays like they did against Furman, like I think we can hold them off. You would if hope. we play like we had the last three weeks and Wofford does what they did against Furman, we're screwed. Yeah. yeah also, 100%. Fletcher McGee's not walking through that door for Wofford, so we don't worry about him and Storm Murphy coming and scoring all over the place. We don't have to worry about that anymore. No, it's a different era. Different era in the Sparkle City. So let's get to UTC, the mocks. Guys, I'm going to the game. I'm going to be up in Chattanooga. Uh, should be a fun should be a fun one. So let's just run it down real quick. Since the last time we've played, UTC's done pretty well. They beat Furman 73 to 58. I guess Furman is is a little hotter, a little, little prone to the hot cold streak. Uh more so than I think that was when I think it's when Foster was still out. I think that's when they still missing a couple guys too. So no, yeah, that's well. No, wasn't that the game where they were supposed to be missing guys and then everybody ended up being healthy? Or was that Furman UNCG? I can't remember. Um, Yeah, Foster didn't play in this one. Okay, in that one. So yeah, that makes more sense. They lost to UNCG seventy to fifty four. They beat Wofford seventy nine to sixty five. Uh, the scariest part, guys, 
They're averaging, so in this stretch since we've played, they're averaging 80 points and only giving up 64. So they're playing very good basketball. Trey Bonham, the obvious uh, benefactor from the transfer rule that is currently in place, he's their leading scorer uh, in conference, averaging 19 points and shooting 55 freaking percent from three. So the dude is good. Hunter Huff averaging 13 points in the conference. He doesn't lead the team in assists, but, um, I mean, he's up there. And an interesting stat that I saw is, you know, in conference, their assist-to-turnover ratio is not elite. It's essentially one-to-one. So this UTC game has star power. UTC team has star power. We know how they're going to play. They're going to shoot 100 threes. Um and it's at, you know it's it's at it's in Chattanooga. So going to be a pretty good crowd. They're going to play better than they would obviously at Sanford. It's an interesting matchup uh in this part of the stretch for us when we aren't too sure what Sanford team we will see. Yeah, this is a this is a big test. I thought the the win against UTC to start SoCon play was a big win. I thought I mean we we kind of crushed them, but like, nope. I think that was maybe our first game without Jermaine Marshall. Yeah. Um, but even though we won by 15, it looks like, uh, it didn't feel like it was that big of a blowout. I mean, the game felt really tight. I think Trey Bonham is probably transfer of the year. If they start implementing that award, they should with the transfer portal. Probably uh, That's a good Trey award. Bonham probably is probably. transfer of the year. He's, I mean, he's going off offensively. I think he's top five in the league in scoring. And, I mean, we know this team with this coach, they're gonna they're gonna be well coached, they're gonna play well every year, and they're gonna continue to get better. So this is a big matchup. Yes. Yeah, Bonham is definitely on uh Quest Glover, there's our mention. Quest Glover type role right now with, with how he's playing and scoring the basketball. He had um twenty five points against UNCG, twenty seven against Mercer, nineteen against ETSU. So like you said, Sam, who's been sh- shooting hot from three, fifty five percent. So it's just a matter of limiting him and Hunter Huff, those two guards, and we can't let them get hot from three as the teams have done against Sanford in the last couple of games. Honestly, if we play disciplined enough on defense, we should be okay. I think, you know, we talked about it in the, in the, uh, around the horn, but giving up the last, like giving up the highest percentage from three in the conference is a terrible, terrible stat. And, a lot of the teams we've played so far have had a very um, what's the what's the word? like a very like a like a big body that kind of disrupts the entire defense, whether they're driving uh, or it's their actual big man, right? Is Trey Bottom big? Does he drive or does he shoot? He's shooting fifty five percent from three right now. Oh, I right. see what you're doing. He's, yeah, yeah, he's he's. he's <laughs> sorry, it took me a second. Yeah, he's six feet, one seventy five. Yeah, shooting from three. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so he's, I, I legitimately mm-hmm. did not know how tall he was, but he's only six one. Okay, that to me is amazing. Like Woolbright is scarier at six six and driving to the hoop, disrupting your either your zone or your man defense. Because guys, my gosh, our help defense makes or breaks every single defensive possession. We either get destroyed. Do not help, easy layup, or we overextend, easy pass, drain a three. Like, there's no, 
there's no middle ground. Um, and so the fact that he's six one, that helps. Uh, the less a chore has to come over, get off his man, the more Jaden and AJ can stay on their man. Like all of these little things, I think ma- allow us to match up better against UTC than some of the other top end teams in the conference. I say that and watch him like drive for 15 points in the paint and draw four fouls and still make four threes and have 30 points. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. 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 He's six feet, 175, Hunter Huff, 5'10, 162. And then you have those two I mean, mile J freshman, 6'2. So, yeah, what the score? How did AJ and Jaden not just feast on a 6'1 guard? The teams have had trouble figuring them out in the last few games. So, well, like we let them combine for thirty nine points when we played in the first game, but that's really like those are the only two players that really did anything. And I think our guards match up well against them defensively. It's kind of like we talked about with Furman. Like we know where they're going to get theirs if we can just try to limit that as much as possible, and then you know try to play the best team ball. Puts us in a good position. I really love watching teams play against Sanford that have good guards. I just think it creates for a really good matchup with, you know, AJ and Rylan and Jaden Campbell and all that. So we know those yeah. two guys are going to get theirs, but can the can the whole team stop their, you know, their ancillary players? Yeah, I mean, look, the last yeah, that's time kind of been played... a theme. Like we've seen like the best player get theirs, and then it's a matter of what, yep. how will you defend those other guys? The last time we played, we saw that the kind of the game-changing moment was when their big man, Sam Alexis, exited the game. And that gave us the true advantage that I was talking about a second ago. If UTC wins this game, if Sam Alexis scores 15 to 20 points or dominates just on the boards and, and feeds it out right to Bonham and Huff, I think that against Samford, I think the same game will happen again where it's going to be dictated on how much success Alexis is able to have. If he gets in foul trouble early, we win by double digits. If he doesn't, it's going to be a tough game. Yeah, it seems like the X factor to me in this one. Which is yeah, he's had four straight games scoring a double figure, 17 last time out against Citadel. Yeah. It's also rebounding the ball really well. Yeah, he had four fouls against Sanford, then had three against UNCG, but had had more than three in the other game. So really the one game in conference play has been Sanford where he's really hadn't played many minutes due to foul trouble. Man, it's crazy we're sitting here halfway through the season, the SoCon season, and thinking UTC is, you know, the hottest team in the league right now. I Look, we talked about it in the preseason. Yeah, especially all their, we had UTC yeah. in the top three. I think yeah, every I'll, single one yeah. of us. I don't. Uh, oh, Mike, you might, not like four. you might have had four. Yeah. I think I was kind of low true. on then. We all yeah, had all their numbers. Fair, we didn't know if Trey Bonham was, was eligible at the time. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Without Trey Bonham, they're middle of the pack. That's fair. Yeah. I I don't know. I think, I think Alexis has made a big enough jump. See, when we were talking about UTC in the preseason, we didn't really know who. Like we certainly know, we certainly thought Bonham would not be eligible. That is true. That was a nice little boost. But we didn't know who else would be real. We all knew Hunter Huff would be good. Shocker. But we had faith. Faith is a weird word to use, but 
Um, we all thought that Dan Earl would have a team and, you know, be able to cultivate enough talent and develop it to the point where his team would make a nice jump, where they were threatening for four and fifth position last year and make a nice little jump without Jake Stevens, um, total freak, in this in his second year at UTC. And we've seen it. Now, has it obviously helped that Bonham's healthy and or healthy eligible? Yes. But you see with guys like Alexis, I keep going back to him, is kind of like the best example of a nice jump from last year to this year where now he's an actual difference maker. And, you know, unfortunately, the SoCon, especially if Brooks Savage can, if he lives up to his hype, the SoCon is slowly stacking very competitive coaches uh, who are all very good at not only getting talent, but making them better. Yeah, we've been talking about how well Chattanooga's been played, but if you look at the schedule, I mean, they beat Furman without Marcus Foster. They beat VMI, lost to UNCG by 16, and then their four wins are Mercer, ETSU, Wofford, and Citadel. So they really haven't had that tough a schedule. See how well they play at it's a great point. How well they play at Western Carolina on Wednesday. So it's just a matter of, yes, they've been playing really well, but they've been playing against the lower level lower level teams in the conference as at this point. That's step one. That's a great right? point. The fact that Foster is out and they haven't played Western yet. Yeah, this could all be moot unless they go to Colby and win. And it's like, oh, no. Okay. But they're definitely yeah. for real. Then we'll see how, how, see how Saturday Western, goes. I, don't, I might actually – I might be pulling for UTC at Western because – to see UTC lose back-to-back games is hard to see that happen. Well, and how can, you award, how can you award <laughs> player of the year to a team that's fourth in the conference, you know? Yeah, Western's... Uh, yeah. If they lost, if they lost. Okay, so I just looked up. Western ain't playing so hot. They're not playing so hot. They just beat VMI. Woo! Um... Lost to UNCG, lost to Furman, lost to Sanford. They're one in four or one in three in their last four games. That's not good. I've had UTC. Yeah, speaking rolls of in easy schedules, Chattanooga's yeah, easy schedules with Chat Western schedule has definitely been tougher when you play Sanford and Furman and UNCG early, especially in this stretch of the season. I bet UTC wins. I bet. I don't know what the line's going to be at. Um, but it is not going to be a lot. And uh, ETC, the the mocks probably are one of those teams that they're going to feed off the electric environment that Colby is going to bring. I bet they I bet they get out of there with a the dub. I think that I don't know if that's good or bad for us. On one hand, you would love to play a team that's overconfident. That's the always the best. On the <laughs> other hand, they could be legit. Must say they're just the perfect amount of confident that complements their exactly. That's called know, swag. Yeah. That's what yeah. we had for a, a hot minute there. It's now <laughs> yeah. gone. We're losing our you swag. Oh, we're, it's gone. Swag is gone. We have to re-earn it. And it starts Stuff against. We Wolford. all get swag. Oh no, not not that swag. <laughs> yep. yep. All right. All right. So <laughs> big game against UTC. Nice game against Wofford. Should be very entertaining. We've got a nice week of basketball. Uh, this episode will drop Wednesday, so literally the day of the Wofford game. Let's let's move on, though. So football, we got some some random news. Football has a new D coordinator. Grant, how about you tell us about him, man? Yeah, new defense coordinator after, gosh, I forgot 
Chris Boone, there we go. Chris Boone went to go be the linebackers coach at Troy. Adam Braithwaite, we'll get that pronunciation down later, but he is coming over from Tennessee Tech to be Sanford's, reportedly to be Sanford's defensive coordinator. And just going through his background, at Tennessee Tech, it's it's really, we've seen him on Sanford's schedule. It's kind of a hard place to win. Like It's tough to it's tough to get guys in there, and you went, and last year they went 4-7 and seven last year, but if you go to the defensive side in the OVC, they were first in sacks, first in total defense, and second in points allowed. So, I mean, they still played pretty well defensively. And so just going down his resume a little bit, in 2022, they led the Big South and OVC in opponent third down conversion rates, something we saw Sanford have trouble with this past year, getting off the yep. field on third down. They also allowed the fewest first downs allowed per game and had the most sacks per game in 2022 as well. Interesting. I like that. So, and he does have some time in this conference. He was a DC at chat from 2013 to 2016 when Chattanooga was on their run, when they went 7-0 and in SOCOM play in 2014. Just a couple numbers through his time in chat. In those four years, his defense ranked sixth in total defense and sixth in passing yards allowed per game and ninth in scoring defense in the entire country throughout those four years at UTC. So he's got a good track record everywhere he's been. It's just a matter of what... What new does he bring to the Sanford Sanford offense? And as it has been a theme over his last few stops, his team does sack the quarterback well. Something again we saw Sanford struggle with, who was fifth in the SoCon last year in total sacks. So it's just cool to see that that trend. See if that trend continues next year when he comes to Sanford, as his teams are very good at sacking and getting to the quarterback. So it's just a couple of things to watch out for before his hiring is officially announced. So yeah, that should go. be exciting. Um, I'm not going to say Hatcher has an incredible track record at picking the right defensive coordinator because he obviously doesn't. But at some point, you got to think that he gets it right and we have a truly successful defense for more than just one season. Yeah, and he's also worked at West Virginia and Michigan. So he does have P5. He does have P5 experience too. He can bring over. He was a safety coach for Michigan in 2010. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Seems like a great hire. I mean, he's got a good track record at like, you know, high level FCS or D2 FCS programs. Um, how much like, you know, scheme matters so much in, in football and just how yeah. his scheme complements the offense, especially in an air raid offense. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what his philosophy is there. Yeah. It is encouraging the way that his teams get off, do tend to get off the field on third down again the more times you get more snaps yeah. for that offense to go score, that's obviously getting the ball back to them. And I failed to mention, he went to Richmond after Chattanooga, and he also, in 2018, his Richmond defense led the CAA in sacks as well. So again, that sack trend that keeps continuing everywhere he's been, we'll see if that can transfer over to 2024 and 2025 this year. It sounds like his defenses play hard for him, and that's huge. In other news, Stepsing. Uh, there's a new champion. Uh, look... Went to 80 pie. Sigma Kai got second. Usually, you know, you can take this however you want it, but I'm going to say it. Usually, when a guy group gets second and a girl group wins, the guy group is usually better. Uh, but we live in this new era of step seeing. <laughs> Homer. Homer. And look, we Homer live in this new era right of step seeing where apparently girl groups are allowed to win it. Wasn't aware. You and the ETSU color guy, Homers. That's what y'all are. <laughs> <laughs> I think 80 pie is kind of in the, in the middle of a here i mean they're like they've, yes this is i think their third their third win in the past five six years or second like when we didn't have a single girls program win for like what how many years like 10 
don't think this uh, the entire Tanya? time we were there, a girl even like placed once a girls program, maybe one time, maybe once. I think maybe Zeta Kyle. maybe got second place when we were like freshmen. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't that when dudes went on their run too? They had to run the run there early in the mid mid two thousand mid to late twenty ten. We were there. We got Dudes third our freshman High cap year. was good. Yeah, and then we dominated second year, sophomore year. <laughs> to this day, greatest step sing show of all time. I, I think we should have won senior year. Grant, stop Honestly. laughing. I'm being serious. <laughs> I think we should have won senior year. I, look, there's some serious beef with... Is that Barbershop the, or Western? Barbershop no, barbers- was junior year. Western, I was a cactus or senior year. It's a bowling pin and a cactus. Hype. You love those... Uh, you know, ancillary roles where you don't have to go to practice every day. You just <laughs> we still learn how to, to bob practice around. Every day. There you go. We just didn't have to practice the whole time. You just yeah. sit there and goof off. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Screw it. Next week we're doing a step sing episode. Let's do it. A step sing recap. <laughs> yeah. Who's in? Great. That would mean I actually have to We're going to get the winning director, the second place, and third place director. Yeah. I did not watch a single act. I turned on the YouTube stream to see who announced, to see who the winner was. You didn't go to the Atlanta watch party? Yeah. Michael, I cannot tell you how yeah, close Atlanta. Madeline yeah. was to dragging us to that. I had to pivot and just, let's say, hey, we're going <laughs> to my parents' house this weekend. Let's just go. And we packed up on Saturday morning and rolled up the chat. Otherwise, we were going to the Atlanta uh, screening of Stepsing, which I'm not a Sigma new. That sounds like a grand time. That wasn't the most, exactly the, the most number Sanford. one. Yeah. That wasn't the most enticing <laughs> thing to do to me. Let's get to State of the Bulldogs, uh, women's basketball. So we are aware, for all of our tennis fans, we are aware that tennis season has begun, and we will begin updating on the tennis women's uh, men's and women's tennis teams next week. Michael has volunteered to head that one up. Uh, but for this week, last week, women's basketball only. And, um, well, we're happy to report that after a solid you know, run in the conference, we are not last. We are squarely in the middle. We beat UNCG and Furman, uh, but lost to Wofford, who's second in the conference. UTC sits at top at 5-0. Wofford, like I said, is in second at 4-1, and we're 3-3. Three and three. Right, in the, right in the thick of it, um, you know, guys, when the season started, we weren't quite sure what we were going to get. But uh, I'll take three and three at the moment. At the moment. Yeah, Sam, one one player that's really stepped up is freshman Kennedy Langham. She started the last four games. She had nine points at Wofford and nine points at Western that first start. But she had 15 in the win against UNCG and then had 26 up at Furman. So it's Dang. it's cool, as we talked about, to start the year seeing a freshman come out of nowhere and start the last four games and put up points like this so far. So that's a big reason why they went on. Uh, that stretch of three before they lost at Wofford. She's played more than 35 minutes in the last four games, and Sanford won three of the four. So some correlation there for sure. Yeah, keep her in. Um, so yeah, so the women's basketball team making a nice little turn, and we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. We have coming up Mercer on Saturday at home, uh, and then UTC the following Thursday also at home. And it's also Barbie night, pink out. February 8th. We'll, we'll mention that again next week. But Mercer's 2-4 and four in the conference. You know, pretty good shot to win that one. UTC, you know, undefeated so far. Uh, probably won't win that one. But sitting at 4-4, four and four, that, that's our goal over the next two weeks. Yeah, we'll see what happens. 
But uh, like we said, big game against Wofford uh, the day this episode drops. Big game against UTC on Saturday. If anyone's up in Chattanooga, hit us up. I'll be there. Go Bulldogs. Let's get that get that uh, student section nice and packed on Wednesday night. Let's root for a dub. Stay the Bulldogs is out. Hey, you already know. You know, Sanford, about to get that ring, man. Hey, love y'all. We love y'all.